Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. My name is Josh Lyons. I've been listening to Hardcore and Punk since 1995. I have booked shows, put out a fanzine, run a record label, and now I'm doing a podcast. This is the Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. Welcome to episode 35. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. Um, tonight, we're going to have somebody uh, returning onto the podcast who was on uh, episode seven, which was kind of like a small business feature. But uh, after discussing some stuff with him after that episode, I kind of realized that it'd be cool to have him on for like his own episode to talk more about the things he's into because uh, they're like a mutual interest of mine. And I think he's a little more knowledgeable about some of those subjects. So we'll get into that stuff later. Uh, we might talk about some Taco Bell memes and stuff like that. We'll see. Um, but other than that, how's everything going? Welcome back, Matt. Oh, good. Just staying busy. Yeah, I know the feeling, man. Um, I'm actually taking 12 weeks off from work pretty soon, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be busier at home uh, than I was at work. Uh, you're, you're a father as well, so I think you know the, 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 uh, yeah. the routine. You know, We just had our second child recently, so my girlfriend took her 12 weeks, so now I'm uh, about to do the same. And she was telling me last week, she was like, you know you're going to be more tired and more stressed out being at home than you are at work. Right. And I was like, well, I have an idea, but you know, I don't, I don't think I have as much of an idea as she's letting on to obviously. <laughs> so. No, I mean, I think I took like a week off when my son was born and that was like the most tiresome week of my life. Yeah. My wife's like, um, like does overnight. So like she's a nurse and stuff. So she had like her month off. And then it was just like straight. I had him every night, you know. So I'm oh. like, definitely had a different experience than probably some other like fathers have with yeah. that, you know. Like I had all the like waking up in the middle of the night, like heating up the bottle, all that stuff. That I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it yeah. like gives you a completely different perspective. I'm not even going to try to front like my girlfriend's been doing most of the late nights yeah. since Marley was born. Uh, I wake up occasionally. I'm like, you know, do you need anything? Can I get you some water, help out with this and that? But for the most part, I'm, I'm a pretty deep sleeper and I've had oh, yeah. the easiest time waking up. <laughs> That's exactly how I would have been if I didn't have that happen. Yeah. yeah. And the first time when, I, when, when we had our son, we were working uh, like I would work nights and she would work days. But now like we both work days. So we're kind of trying to figure yeah. out. That's why we took our our. our LOAs separately so that we can yeah. save daycare, you know, because it's going to be kind of pricey having two kids there and a few, like, a few oh my God. No, just having like one five year old, like, wild for that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like I kind of told, told you before, like, I had had you on here before, obviously. So we're not going to, you know, have the exact same conversation as last yeah. time. I would hope most people have listened to that by now, but um, we will kind of, you know, do like a refresher for people who haven't listened. But before we do that, if you're cool with talking about it, I know like a few months ago, you kind of had like some health uh, stuff going on. Yeah. Um, you, would you mind kind of talking about that a little bit or? Yeah. Like my family, like I have a crazy like family history with like medical stuff, but probably I like tried to keep that in check as much as possible with like, I don't know, even like going vegan was partially based on that besides like, you know, everything else, but like, uh, you know, like everybody has that, like cancers and all that stuff. But uh, like my mom's side has like IBD, which is like Crohn's disease and stuff like that. 
So like for years, I tried to like avoid that as much as possible. And then when I realized like there was some stuff going on, like in the past 10 years, I like tried to get help for it with like doctors and stuff like that. And kind of was like dismissed the whole time. And like definitely getting that perspective of like how messed up the, like the, you know, just everything medical is in this country. So like last summer when everything was going on with like protests and stuff, like by the end of the summer, I was like, something's not like right. I don't know if it's like stress or whatever, but I like went to doctors and tried to get help for it. And then got like a misdiagnosis and then ended up in the uh, hospital like two weeks later because I couldn't keep any food down. I had like 105 fever. And then I stayed in the hospital for two and a half months. And like in the last like two months, I like ended up getting surgery. Are, are you all like on the on the men now? Like, I mean, I know I've seen pictures and you obviously look a lot skinnier than you did before. But like, yeah. like, like health wise, like, are you feeling better? Like, is it like, yeah, that's like... like I lost like I lost like 60 pounds or something like wild like that. And then had the surgery, felt better, sort of, <laughs> but like the 60 pounds down and like sitting in a hospital bed for, bed for two and a half months was like really rough. Like getting home, I couldn't like walk upstairs or like anything like that. I was out of work for like three or four months after that and like ended up back in the hospital like every couple weeks when I got home from like infections and all this other stuff and like got covid when i was in the hospital so it was like a whole like like endless cycle and this was like all over the holidays that you were in the hospital and everything too oh yeah you, know, you mentioned right yeah i was like home christmas day and then like that night like when like my wife like i passed out at home and my wife's like oh i'm gonna call an ambulance ended up ended up going back to the hospital and then I got like just stayed there for a month and a half after that wow. and like through like so it was just like a very weird perspective to be in like from that end of like seeing family deal with like health problems but never really having anything and then being like laid up for two and a half months but I mean and it was weird too because it's like it was covid time so like I couldn't like have visitors for like the first month and a half and I don't know it was it was like hard I, I probably sat and like listened to music for two and a half months yeah I can't imagine that like I had some I had some pretty bad stomach issues like 10 years ago but nothing like what you're talking about like I had to go to the hospital and, and get scoped out and everything and, and they told me it was just like what's called gastritis which is like stomach inflammation um, yeah, I attributed to, you know, heavy drinking in my early 30s and a lot of spicy foods when I first became vegan because, you know, a lot of that oh. shit's spicy, obviously. Oh, um, yeah. But I, my girlfriend kind of found like a more raw, not raw diet, but like more plain diet for me. I ate like that for a couple of years. And honestly, ever since our son was born, I haven't really had too many issues. Like she made uh, like falafel like a few weeks back and I was like, it was kind of spicy. And I was like, is this is this that Trader Joe's falafel? Trader Joe's falafel that I couldn't eat a couple years ago? And she was like, "Yeah." And I was like, 
I still don't think I can. I looked at the package. It's got like cayenne pepper and like all this shit that I'm like, this is just a little too spicy for me. I think, you know what I mean? Like, like as we'll oh, get to yeah. the food at your, your restaurant, you like, you have some spicy stuff like the stuff that I eat. It doesn't fuck up my stomach at all. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely, yeah. I just have to like, you know, I have to watch what I eat. I, I feel like, an, I feel like an old man, you know what I mean? Like having to eat like, no, you know, then that's because it's like, it like definitely was like a weird position to be in. Like, I felt like it aged me. Do do I guess that is a good question. Like, and I know it's a, a different thing, but like, do certain foods like fuck with you now or whatever, or is that is that not really a thing for you to worry about? Uh, it's like kind of better after having surgery. Yeah. But so I guess we'll talk more about like healthcare and stuff when we talk about like all the anti-vaxxers oh. and COVID and all that in a little <laughs> bit. But just to kind of uh, switch topics, like I said, I had you on episode seven, and I know some people might not have listened to it because. You know, in all honesty, if you're from out of Rochester, you might not care as much about listening to like a small business episode, you know. So let's kind of jump back real quick, I guess, and just kind of tell everybody like, you know, who you are, like your upbringing and stuff like that before we get into like hardcore and punk and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, grew up in Rochester, lived in Webster for like a lot of chunk of my life. And you know, normal situation of just, like, growing up in the 90s and stuff and getting into skateboarding and, like, having punk music kind of more accessible than it probably was, like, a decade prior. Like, listening to Bad Religion and Operation Ivy and all that stuff and Green Day and all that stuff. So not really having, like, brothers or sisters that were, like, passing down records or anything. Uh, just like dealing with stresses of like that kind of home life thing that's like what drew me to like getting into punk and stuff and then eventually like I was talking to like Jared Johnson about it like how like our big three for both of us was like Green Day AFI and like Rancid like those you know the 90s output of and I mean still loving like stuff they did but like especially the 90s stuff uh, so, like, getting into, like, uh, bands like AFI and Green Day and Rancid, it was, like, you know, checking out, like, the splits AFI did, and, like, they did, like, Filth cover, and then they did, like, stuff with, like, Heckle and Screw 32, and, uh, like, Billy Joe from Green Day would talk about, like, seven seconds all the time, and obviously, like, the Rancid dudes were, like, in 80s hardcore, like, so all that stuff was like wildly influential and like, and even knowing like Davey had, because like the world's biggest, like earth crisis fan was like super influential. So like really diving into that stuff, uh, exploded like my interest in punk and hardcore and metal. And how did those people like deal with being like suburban kids or whatever? You know, you mentioned in Davey Havoc, I feel like it has to have come up on here before, but obviously there's a local connection that we're all aware of with him here. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's always been kind of mind-blowing to me, you know? Um, well, like, the wild thing about that is, too, is, like, my stepdad's family is, uh, they're Praetis, and uh, his uncle, like, owns Praetis in Webster, and his uncle Whitey is, like, Davey Havoc's uncle. Wow. Yeah. So, like, when I was, like, since we last talked, like, when I was in the hospital, uh, his, like, 
they were like talking about it like oh you know like matt's like this huge like afi fan so like i when i was in the hospital i like was looking through my messages and i got like a um a text message like video message and it was like davy havoc like saying like yo let matt like i hope you feel better like heard you're vegan and all this stuff and i was just like oh shit like that's really cool i mean obviously yeah. you know circumstances but it's still really cool that he reached out to you or whatever you know oh yeah it, i mean it shows and that's my thing about like how punk and hardcore is different than like other genres like there's like camaraderie with like people that are across the world and i like i was saying that to jared too it's like even if you like you know being in like hardcore scene or punk scene or metal scene like there's always gonna be some sort of dilemmas with some people like you might you know somebody doesn't like you you don't like them they don't like your friend whatever but like at the end of the day like you have way more in common with like you know insert name here than you do like the person at your job or like the person that you went to school with or like even some of your like family members because you're like you can easily talk to that person about like things that you enjoy like you know compared to like going to work and having like bullshit with people like that are never gonna know like why does this like goofy band that you took off work to go see matter so much when to those people they're just like this is just like mindless yelling or like but that person knows like shit like i went through some times and like this album got me through it like and you could connect with like a I could connect with someone like I, I was a kid in the nineties for the most part. So it's like, I wasn't going to see like earth crisis, like in Syracuse at the lost horizon, but I could connect with somebody who's 50 years old and did that. Or, or I can connect with like a 15 year old kid. That's like in Malaysia. Who's like, yo, like firestorm. <laughs> like you can connect with those people in a completely different way than just like talking to your coworker about like, I don't know some something you watched on netflix or something where you're like yeah that's a good show but like it's not the same thing the malaysia thing's funny too because this is something i also don't know if i mentioned on here but when i first started doing this podcast this dude who i'm not going to butcher his name either but he reached out to me from uh thailand and he yeah. sent me a picture of my enterprise hardcore t-shirt which i made in like 2002 or 2003 and i probably made yeah. like 30 or 40 at most you know and he was like i have this large enterprise hardcore shirt can you tell me anything else about it and I'm like, wait, you're in Thailand and you got this shirt somehow? And he's like, yeah, I bought it from a market. Like somebody probably sold it on eBay or something and ended up with it there oh, yeah. somehow. And I was just like, that's so crazy, you know? And now like, you know, I send the kid messages every so often this and that. But it's like you're saying, like, it's just crazy, like, yeah. that it's just everywhere. Like you can, and like another thing I think about too is like, I don't travel as much as I used to, but like my girlfriend, and I went to Boston a couple of years back and we were walking like near Fenway Park. I don't remember what we were doing afterwards. We were just walking on the city. And uh, like right across from Fenway Park is where the last 10 yard fight show was. And yeah. I was telling her and her brother, I was like, yo, I was here in 1999 for this show and all these bands played. And like my girlfriend thinks it's cool, but like they don't really know, you know, they don't really know as much about it and stuff. So it's like yeah. to an outsider trying to explain that to them, it's like, it, it sounds cool, but like without having been there and really experienced it, but, it's not really the same, you know? And that's what my wife always says. Like she likes hardcore too. And like we met like from going to shows, but like I definitely i'm like a little bit more nerdy about it like she's like she's like i wouldn't have known like this person was from this band before this band like she's like you're like i have this like wikipedia <laughs> stuff and i'm like i don't know like it's just 
I'm like, how people are with other stuff, you know, like sports knowledge or something. I'm like, I might never know this thing about, you know, like what, when this team went to like the playoffs, but I'm like, I can tell you like all the bands Ian McKay was in or something. Yeah. It like not matter to like thousands and thousands of people, but like, you know, there's, there's like a lot of people who are like, Oh, that's really cool. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, get my son into stuff like that. And I don't know. I like sometimes I think like people do actually think it's interesting, even if they're like never going to completely understand. I used to be a lot better with that stuff back in the day. But one, one yeah. thing that kind of like I was really shocked by, um, obviously a band that I, I know has caught both mine and your radar in the last couple of years, uh, Section Hate. I was yeah. listening to an interview with their singer on the Post America podcast and they were talking about how he sang for Furious Styles. Yeah, I was like holy shit, they played here back in the day. I saw them, and I even made like that's a, a like dumb joke to the dude when he was on stage. And I'm like, I doubt he remembers, but it's just funny that their band played here so many years ago. And I and I know you're you're aware too. He's been in other bands too, you know. So yeah. it's just I didn't yeah, even realize been in like so many. But, yeah. And that's that's what I always did. Uh, is it's like my first like non-hardcore punk band that like I fell in love with. That's still like my favorite band today. Is like the Clash and. The thing that I loved about The Clash is that, like, every, like, you knew every band and artist and, like, music style that they loved. Like, you, for me, and that's why I got interested in other stuff, styles besides hardcore, was because, like, Joe Strummer and The Clash, it was, like, reggae, punk, even, like, early hip-hop before it was hip-hop. Like, there was so much going on in that. So, like, when it came to finding hardcore bands, and I, I was like, I want to know everything about them. And even, like, if I'm going to, like, listen to a band like Section Hate or anybody, I'm, like, I need to know, like, what band did their guitars play in before this? Like, who did they sing for? And that was, like, one of the things is I was, like, like, Mexi Mike from, like, Furious Styles and stuff is, like, Section Hate. And, like, I'm, like, I, like, wrote to him about that stuff. I was, like, yo, like, I remember you, like, playing, like, for some reason, it seemed like every other weekend at the Penny Arcade. <laughs> and I'm, like... I don't know how that worked because you were from like California or whatever, but it seemed like they played every other weekend. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just wild to me. But they, that record for sure is like probably one of, I love that record. Yeah, I've been that, like, and stuff. For me right now, that and God's Hate are probably like my two favorites of the year. I mean, I know yeah. there's been other stuff that's come out oh, and probably will come out, but those are probably my two favorites. The past um, two, like wild for stuff, yeah. like been just demos, like, just dozens and dozens and dozens and stuff that I'm just like when people tell me like nothing good came out that this year or last year or whatever I'm just like I mean I know it's hard to like keep up with bands too because it's like it seems like something new drops like every other day or it's just like you get older and it's hard to keep up with that stuff especially it's like for me I'm like that's all I use social media for <laughs> it's like I will follow like everybody because i want to like keep up with what's coming out so i'm like there's some person i follow just from california that i'm like oh i want to know like what 10 bands you're in or like someone from you know i mean the midwest where it's like i need to know what you're listening to because like i'm above 30 now and i'm like i don't want to fall trapped to like getting out of touch because but those years between like 20 and 30 it's like tough like if you make it past 30 and are still listening to hardcore it's like you're like an you're like the elderly like hardcore person 
like if you're above 40 like god bless or whatever because i don't know i guess i'm one of those people who like when i started partying and drinking heavily it wasn't until i was like 22 or 23 so there was like seven or eight years there where i was still listening to hardcore a lot but not really going to as many shows yeah i think that's kind of how i like didn't like completely fall out of touch because i was like i had like those years where a lot of people would have gotten sick of going to shows because they're like oh now i'm 30 i've been going to shows every day and every week for 15 years whatever it is like i was more like i went to go see borrowed time went on a war every month or two like during those years but i wasn't going out of town as much and like getting burned i guess you know what i mean and not but like i would always check out like new albums and new bands and like it wasn't like how it is now though where i'm listening to all the stuff again like it would just be like if like trapped under ice or cold world or one of those yeah put an album out like i knew like that was shit that i gravitated towards whereas now i'll check out more like the newer bands you know yeah Uh, and i think easier to in a way to like find the smaller stuff because like for definitely for a few years when you're like navigating adulthood it's like like it's a little bit easier to find like whatever the big like hype label is at the time so but to me like i would be like oh this is cool i'm still listening to stuff but then there's like now i'm 30 but now all the scene is like and it should be is like ran by people who are like 18 19 and i'm like and they're like you know they're like finding stuff that's even like cooler or i don't know younger so and you're like listening to stuff maybe that's like made by people your age or older and you're like oh no i'm like i gotta keep and that's my thing with it i'm like i have to keep progressing with it and i want to know like everything about it still i still want to know like what new bands are out like that are not just people that you and i know or people you know what i mean like it it's sometimes it's easier to be like this band's from or like this you know former members of bands you know where you're like this is a little bit easier to find now it's like i want to be like 18 again in with in a music sense where it's like i want to like find that demo that the band broke you know what i mean like it yeah. was made like 18 year olds last month and the band already broke up like i want to know like every what's going on like what's the next like trend in hardcore like i want to keep up with it as much yeah. as i can one of the trends in the last couple of years that I think you and I have talked a little bit about here and there that we're both not as big of fans of that I, I didn't even realize that this was something that kind of happened until yeah. like somebody else pointed it out to me. And, and it had happened like 20 years ago too. It's like all that new metal crap that was yeah. popular like 20 years ago. Like it kind of infiltrated bands like 18 Visions and some other bands that I wasn't yeah. really as into back then. But like some of the bands they would tour with, I would book because, you know, whatever. But now yeah. you see, I'm not going to name all the bands now, but there's a lot of bands now that like, when I first heard him, I was like, you know, that's, that's pretty decent, but it's something that sounds a little different about it. And then <laughs> I started reading on Brooklyn vegan. There's this one kid who'll review records and he started comparing them to like new metal bands and shit. And I'm like, what is this fucking kid talking about? You know, but then like yeah, it, it, the bands themselves weird. started citing new metal. And I'm like, Whoa, this is, like, I was at, like, this was hardcore a few years ago, just like sitting at a table with a random group of people. And we were talking about like, and so, like there's a lot of like positive aspects to hardcore kids listening to other music obviously like it makes hardcore more interesting for sure like in other genres benefit from it too you know like having like hip-hop influence like people that listen to punk are making hip-hop now it doesn't necessarily mean they're combining the genres it just means you can secure the influence like you know like the, what the beastie boys did and now you have people like tyler the creator who are like skateboard he's a skateboard kid like ran a label 
put out like trash talk and all that stuff. So it's like, but it is weird when you grew up and there was like kind of a distinction and not an overlap with some things where you're like, it doesn't like, to me, it's hard to digest that kind of stuff, like the new metal stuff. And I'm like, and it is like, I was talking to Jared, again, talking to Jared, cause like we, we vibe on so much music, like stuff where, you know, like goth and still listen to like two tones gone on like hardcore and all this other stuff. But like we were both saying like, it's weird to have new metal, like, leap into that like i i still have a hard time in some ways i have to like respect it a bit to be like okay like this kid in the midwest maybe didn't have the strongest punk hardcore metal scene but like slipknot was like the biggest thing ever so maybe like i see a lot of people talking because like the drummer slipknot died and a lot of people are like if it wasn't for slipknot i wouldn't have gotten into hardcore so in some ways i have to be like okay like, I respect that, even though I don't get it. In other ways, it's, like, weird to see something that was, like, seemed like the antithesis of, like, hardcore, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, but I, there's there's a lot of, like, trends going on right now yeah. in hardcore that are, like, some are really interesting. Some are weird. It's, like, the Roadrunners kind of vibe that was, yeah. like, 90s is, like, really big right now, too. Yeah. Like, you know, like the bands like Code Orange and stuff like that, where you're like, it's like, I'm like, it's like the 90s are all over again. And there's like, how many bands right now that are like hardcore kids that are like, sound like typo negative or something. And you're like, I, it's so weird to me to have like all these other things that are like, yeah. some, stuff, some stuff's cool. Some stuff it's like, it's weird <laughs> like to have it in your little bubble, you know? I think my thing with new metal though is because like it was just like they didn't even call it new metal yet. Like when I got into hardcore, yeah. but, like some of those bands were around. Like Corn was around. Limpus came around a couple years later. I, I actually yeah. remember walking down Monroe Ave uh, one day and my friend walked by and and he was like, "Hey, what's up, man?" I was like, "Not much. Where are you going?" He's like, "Oh, I'm going to see Limpus get tonight." And I I'm not making this up. I literally just laughed and walked away because I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" You know. But my 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 point is is like when I first got into hardcore and punk, like. Like, I'm into sports and shit, but, like, we were rebelling against, like, jocks and shit, obviously. And then yeah. a lot of us were rebelling against, like, that new metal shit because, like, that was, like, the mainstream society and, like, what all the... Yeah, kids, it was, know, like, I mean, that's, like... That was, like, like again, it was, like, the antithesis of what we were about. So now, to me, just to see kids... I get what you're saying, though, about, like, coming from, like, a small area where there's not much to... Yeah. To, 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 I mean, obviously, now with the internet, it's different. But back then, you know what I mean? Like, a band like Slipknot, who probably toured with yeah. Reed, you know, they could have... Like, because some people could probably be say the same thing about like me still like wanting to talk about like Tim Armstrong and Davey Abbott and stuff and be like, there could be, there's definitely going to be like hardcore people there. Let's like, fuck that. Like that, you know what I mean? That was on like MTV and shit. And you're like, fuck, I know. But like, I didn't ha- like, you know what I mean? Like that was my, those were my versions of like having that big brother hand you down a record. Yeah. Was, I put on like, some skateboard video game or something or like maybe the alternative like station was playing something that sounded way more interesting than like Soundgarden or some shit like Pearl Jam or something where you're like oh this is not fucking Pearl Jam like what is this like you know what I mean yeah like it's you know but to me again I feel like there still was a connection to hardcore like there, there literally was a connection to hardcore 
you know, like if it's AFI, literally we're a hardcore band for a while. <laughs> if it, Tim Armstrong and all those dudes were hardcore kids. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, I can hear, there's like a difference between hearing that in like, even like Rage Against the Machine. Like, you know, like, there's hardcore dude in there even though he doesn't even though he doesn't want to talk about it anymore it's like you know that there was a difference between that and like the other rap metal stuff going on so to me it's like easier for me to digest like hey i heard rage against the machine wanted to look up who are these people oh zach de la rocha inside out like instant connection now i'm gonna like buy everything from revelation or something it's like different than the other side to me and one other thing with you kind of talking about like wikipedia and like you know like knowing all these histories of bands and stuff like yeah i've been i've i've had like a knowledge of inside out probably since like 1997 and like yeah. i read recently i think sunny from hate five six said something about them having like songs written that they never even like recorded i don't even know if they yeah. played them live some of them and like there's no like videos of them that exist or anything like i never knew that until recently so it's yeah it's always interesting to find stuff like that out about bands you know i'm sure you probably already knew that or whatever you know what i mean but like i just oh yeah there's like a whole they were supposed to like put out a full length and like that never happened apparently like there's something coming out with stuff i don't know but it'll be interesting to see like what actually happens with that yeah no 100 percent um so i guess kind of switching topics a little bit one thing that i don't think we really talked about too much in the last time i interviewed you i think you've mentioned a little bit so far um is is it the whole the whole straight edge thing um kind of take me back because i saw something you posted recently about like how how your life was before straight edge like kind of what led you there and like how things have been since then i guess you know yeah uh, it's like it's always been something that I like gravitated towards like even even before I was it's just like I think getting into punk music and then like kind of it was like anytime you listen to like the 90s punk bands when you were still if you were like that person who was navigating like not quite at hardcore yet it's like most of those bands didn't weren't connected to 90s hardcore and like again you get older like younger kids might don't might not see that kind of thing where it's like just because there's like a connection between bad religion and hardcore doesn't mean there's a connection between bad religion and like earth crisis or unbroken or like any trial or outspoken like there wasn't you know those dudes a bad religion and good riddance and all these like 90s punk bands were like very much had their foot in the 80s so to me like my connection to getting into straight edge first on before like getting into 90s and 2000s hardcore was like like the first wave of stuff that was straight edge like minor threat and ssd and all that stuff so like definitely just being like a weird (laughs) already a weird kid getting into like punk and whatever was you know accessible at the time it was like didn't connect with those kind of kids at school necessarily obviously i had tons of like stoner friends and stuff being like into skateboarding and punk and just being a weird anti-social person but like seeing like minor threat stuff and like reading lyrics and stuff i was like oh this kind of is like where my mind is at like this is weird as this is like weird counterculture stuff that 
like this seems like more of a rebellion to me than just getting wasted or something like because when you're younger you're like obviously that sounds like way out there and then all of a sudden like growing up in the suburbs especially it's like oh everybody's like wasted or high it's like everybody's parents are cabinets are filled with pills and they have bars in their house and you're like oh it would be actually way weirder for me to like not participate in that so like definitely getting in really navigating that getting into more bands and then like starting to go to hardcore shows and like listen to bands probably like mid 2000s that's when i was like meeting other people that were like xing up or had like tattoos and i was like oh this is like a whole ongoing thing that i didn't know was happening because to me it was like hardcore was in the 80s now it's then it was punk and then it's like whatever the t- like me figuring out the 2000s and stuff and then having to go back again to the 90s and be like oh there's a whole thing here with like animal rights like straight edge weird you know what i mean like weird rastafarian white dudes in the 90s like weird stuff like that so and then but it just always stuck with me like seemed like the perfect answer to just dealing with family issues with you know whether it was like stuff with like alcoholism and family or like friends like just getting getting stoned and not wanting to skateboard anymore or like pick up the guitar or bass or whatever it was like oh now that i'm meeting all these people and yeah obviously meeting tons of people who weren't that but still like loved straight edge bands or hardcore bands in general it was like oh this is like this fits who i am Yeah, now that I kind of wish I would have done it the opposite way. Like I did the straight edge thing when I was like a teenager and then I was like, this isn't this isn't really what I want to do. And I didn't really drink much. But then once I was like, like 21 or 22, I started drinking and I didn't look back for a long time. And then I didn't really drink much again until like right before our son was born. But as I'm sure you're probably aware, I I had a a pretty bad uh, incident with drinking that pretty much scared me straight. I I drank a couple of times after that. And I don't think I'll I know, I know with like alcohol and shit, you never say never, but let's just say there's definitely been like opportunities and like quote unquote reasons for me to drink recently. And I was just like, fuck that. You know, like, I'm not gonna, I might not say the same thing about weed or whatever, obviously, but uh, oh, yeah. I know the alcohol is, is definitely something that's, that's in the, in the rear view at this point, you know? So yeah, it's like uh, getting older too. It like yeah. changes, even it changes my perspective on like why people drink and smoke and like i don't know like being 18 and being straight edge especially if you're like (laughs) getting into like hardline bands or something and you're like now i finally feel like me i'm not i'm just like this decently sized average italian dude like i'm not that tall i'm not that big but like listening to earth crisis or something and you're like at school or college with all these people that you're like oh these are like I don't like any of these people and you're like fuck all these people fuck drinking smoke fuck smoking weed and all this stuff and then like to me like at 32 my perspective is completely different doesn't mean I want to participate in that culture but it means I understand it a little bit more like everyone always is like you're like the most like you're like the biggest weed advocate I know and you're like straight edge and stuff and I'm just like never thought about it that way but I'm like not at this age i'm just like 
you know, I'm like, prohibition doesn't work, like, legalize, decriminalize everything. And like, to me, I'm like, I get why people use anything. Like, it's like we're living a completely capitalist society that is like just destroying destroying us and turning us into like wage slaves and all this stuff it's like how do you deal with that like you have to you have to deal with that and people who tell you you're like lazy because they buy into that system so it's like fuck it like i don't know i'm like i it, i don't want to see people like go to prison or not get the help they need because like they're not participating participating properly in like this structured system like it doesn't make sense to me and to me like if you're straight edge and you still think like how you did when you're 18 i'm like that there has to be like some more x's added to, to straight edge that it's like tolerance or something because it's like to me like if you're gonna be a, an ally or something and be straight edge like you have to be like pro legalization and decriminalization like it doesn't make sense to like want to like still wear the like kill drug dealer shirt and all that stuff like that stuff's that stuff's just goofy as fuck now yeah i agree and uh, i think you're definitely segueing pretty well into the next topic pretty well with some of the shit you're saying about decriminalization and stuff like that i just want to say one more thing about straight edge that yeah. um you kind of hitting the 30 mark with uh straight edge you, you're you're kind of past the point of no return i think you don't really see yeah. too many edge breaks past 30 so i think we're uh We'll be calling you a loyal edgeman for many years to come so congratulations i guess are in order um now the main reason why i wanted to get you back on the podcast i had talked to you a little bit about it last year i felt bad that a lot of this stuff came up which it had been around obviously in like 2015 yeah. 2016 but it really came back to the forefront like days after i interviewed you for the podcast last year and i guess in all honesty when I first started doing this podcast, I wasn't totally sure I was even going to talk about this kind of stuff. Like it wasn't, I was like, this is a hardcore podcast. Like maybe I'll keep it separate. But then I'm like, this, that is, that is hardcore. You know what I mean? Like talking yeah. about like politics and shit that's important to you. Now, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, I'm passionate about this stuff, but I'm probably not nearly as knowledgeable as you. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on. I don't really have like a, a set idea of topics to discuss with any of this kind of like social justice type stuff, but like, let's just kind of go through the gambit, I guess. Like obviously uh, from like June on last year, like black lives matter was everywhere, but it was yeah. like, I feel like Rochester was one of the, the hubs for it. Uh, like late August, early September of last oh. year. And I know you and I both uh, got maced and went to several protests. So yeah. um, I guess before we get into that, now that I think about it, what first got you like interested in all this stuff? I don't know. I mean, it, again, it, it's always going to be go back to like punk and hardcore and stuff. Like my family is great. They're not like, they're not like complete, like total bigots. I don't, that it's like, I know a lot of people struggle with that. And I'm like, but still tip, you know, like, still lived in the suburbs still had like a very sheltered suburban life you know raised like catholic and all that other stuff so there's always going to be like stuff that doesn't sit right you know like there's still going to be like this doesn't make sense to me kind of thing and there wasn't those answers like there were answers but 
they were catered to like you know white supremacy and white privilege like and me like i always was like there's something weird about this so like getting into punk and hardcore it's like well i have a question about this you know like here and you know the answers are in the lyrics or at least a little bit of a you know like if every other song says fuck the police i want to know like why does my favorite band say fuck the police you know like it's more than just like having a mohawk and like a nose piercing kind of thing where it's like there's obviously a lot more going on and then once you get into that stuff it's like that's why i have such a hard time with because there's obviously white supremacy and racism in hardcore and punk and other genres that are close to us so it's like to me again not very punk in my opinion like it's hard to be like agreeing with cops and stuff it's hard to be like you have a shirt on that says fuck the police but you're like well no like i like the some of the police you know like it to me i'm like that doesn't make any sense so like i had to always get go through that and like i always had like a background in like in educating myself on like history and stuff like that so i think like those two things kind of connected and i think maybe the time period that i was born and raised in was like a very weird time for that it's like our parents and grandparents generation nothing was on tv for that right it's like if we have propaganda now think about like how much propaganda existed in the 50s and 60s and 70s it's like the vietnam war was the first war that was even like televised and still like and i mean that was important to like ending the war but the war still went on for a decade and after that it was like we're not putting that on tv anymore because like look at what we have right now we have white and black and brown people in the street and we have multiple mass movements of people that are saying like enough is enough and if you don't put that stuff on tv and you don't talk about it then a lot of people just end up everything becomes stagnant like people just get used to it and i like i'm gonna jump forward to like what's going on like right now it's like i feel like that's why last year was so big is because everything was like televised and everything was on every social media. And like, we just had, we, you know, we just had an election with like supposedly the biggest fascist in the world, a great example of one, but like we didn't replace him with like anybody that was going to address those issues. We addressed him with like the easy person that makes people feel comfortable, even racist. Like it was way easier to replace Trump with like an older white guy than it would be anybody else. And Biden has passed things or, you know, that are scarier than Trump or just as scary. Like his list of like who to watch out for besides like white supremacists. That's good. But like anarchist people who criticize capitalism, people that uh, criticize the government, and I'm like, that was all that not just not just the length of, you know, the past century or two, but like especially in the past year is I'm like, like you see that or hear that. And it's like, well, that's why they're doing it, because anytime, anytime there's a mass movement and you have all these different things happening, doesn't sit well with the government, does not benefit the government. And I, that's like that's where we're at, because that's what they're trying to do is snuff out everything 
because it's not literally not good for business to have that. Like in the 70s and 60s, it's like you had black rights, you had indigenous rights, you had like you had white coal miners going on strike, like all of these gr- groups of people. And then last year, what was it? You you know, you were like there, you like saw how it wasn't it wasn't just black, it wasn't just white, it wasn't just young and old. You know, it was like everybody that you could think of was all together in besides black lives matter there we've seen like again there's been huge indigenous protests in the past couple of years with like all the pipelines we've seen like a lot of trans rights we've seen palestinian marches like that's a that's not good for right it's not good for business and that's like that's the biggest thing right now is where i feel like we're on that brink of like they don't want to see what's on the other side because they know it's not going to be good for them. One thing that's kind of come up lately that I've seen you talk about too, that, that I haven't like rented in a long time. So I'm not as familiar with it. I haven't had as much time to pay attention to it. Like what's going on with the whole like eviction thing that went on with them and stuff like that. Well, that like one of the things with that is like uh, Biden, the Biden administration like had complete control of not letting that end like, and definitely waited and waited and waited it out from my understanding. And I definitely have to dive into it more to read about it, but I, it's not like a fail safe for, for renters. Like there's a lot of loopholes that benefit uh, property owners right now. So it's like he, he did put something to be like, Oh, like it's horrible. All this stuff happened with the CDC and all this other stuff. But like now you have to, there's all these rules to make sure you're protected as a, a renter. Like it's not before where it was like, okay, if you rent, like you're going to be protected during this right now, it's like, well, you'll be protected if you do a, B, C, D. So it's like, it looks good on paper. It looks good for the people who need to see it. Like the liberal, like the upper class white liberal voters who are like Democrats in general are going to be like, see, like, see, this is way better than Trump. But like the people who constantly have gotten shit on for the existence of this country and in the past century, half century are like, no, this still sucks. Like still, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. Like still, I don't know if I'm going to have somewhere to lay my head tonight or a meal to eat. Like they always do those things for show like that. And that's all that it is right now, especially like when you have a Democrat in office, it's just a pony show kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, too, that, again, I get passionate about this stuff, but I'm not as informed, I guess you could say. But I do know one thing that, that I that I feel has, has become pretty pretty obvious in the last, like, five years is the two-party system is definitely fucked, yeah. you know? I mean, it's not really a two-party system at all because, as you just laid out and we, we both know, it, it's real, there really isn't that much of a difference. You know what I mean? Like, to me, the major difference between Trump and Biden is that we don't see a bunch of people that have confederate flags in their basement wearing red hats now you know what i mean like that other than yeah. that like it's not really that big of a difference you know like oh, i mean i think like it's pretty clear we live like in an oligarchy like it's a country ran by corporations it's a like it's a rigged system it's one like one party and i, I always say i i was talking about this yesterday too that it's like even though trump was like the epitome of like awfulness in America with like straight up 
racism and, and and dog racist dog whistles and stuff it's like the only thing that he had that he like did right is that he was like talking to working class people like the people in in mar in some groups of like white marginalized people that were like it really sucks like my i lost my job like the factory closed like you know like those there's a lot of people that are like hurting in this country for the past 40 or 50 years and like he spoke to that and that's that's super dangerous because on the other side like they're not talking to those people you know and the thing about like the trump base is like they aren't diehard republicans they don't care about the republican party they don't care about mitt romney they don't care about any of those people they care about what donald trump was saying and on the Democrat side, those people are just as the they're like almost scarier than the Trump people because they will follow everybody except for the Democrats who do talk about uh, working class issues and poverty and climate change. They will follow everyone else to the ends of the earth, like what they claim that the Trump people are doing. But they're like following though they're almost worse in a way. Because, like, one, they only do it because they're protecting, like, their own privilege. And they're all, most of them are, are upper-class white people. So, yes, like, there's some basic, like, neoliberal principles that they follow. But at the end of the day, like, they're still pro-capitalism. They're still pro-corporatism. They're still pro-war. It's just – and they don't care about helping poor people. So, it's like, to me, that's almost scarier in a way. Doesn't mean Trump is a good person at all. We all know that's not true. We know he didn't really want to help poor people, but he like him using that message was dangerous because there's no answer to that. I think in 2016, 2020, 2024, yeah. like he could seriously go into those towns like Iowa and Indiana and sell them snake oil. Like they they would have no problem buying it from because they're just like he hustled the shit out of them. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Some of them realized that they were hustled, like you saw after all that January 6th shit, and even sometimes before, like people would come, like, yeah. in, like articles and shit. They'd be like, Oh, I like they really started using the word radicalized, which is insane because all these people like talk about terrorists and shit, but like they're the ones that were radicalized in the last like however many years. Oh, yeah. I mean? Um, one other thing I was thinking about while listening to you talk to, I don't know if you fuck with like any television shows at all or not, um, but the show Mr. Robot, like, yeah everything you're talking about right now, like that show, like laid out, like during before like Trump administration. And it was just crazy to watch like the way that dude made that show. Like it was like, like perfect timing for like this whole thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, right I mean, like this country has been really good at it. It's like, it is such like a, it look, we overthrow like governments all around the world. And it, because we tell like our own citizens, like, they're a puppet government. They're like a fake government and all this stuff. And it's just like everything that we say those people are doing is what we're doing. We like have, you know, ongoing genocide against native Americans, ongoing genocide against black Americans, gen and complete violent systemic poverty and violence. You know, it's like, it's like this, you know, this country isn't that old, but it's just, so, there's so much fake about it. And it's not like a tinfoil tin hat Alex Jones kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like literally, like, just look at basic, like, U.S. history. And it's like, 
we've had like people try to combat that stuff for over a century. Like they're some of the the most massive like workers' rights and poor people campaigns like were in the United States, like in the 1900s and in even the late 1800s when we were getting like another mass uh, group of like, you know, immigrants coming like when immigrants came here and they were bringing like different ideologies with them, like anarchism and you know, what Marxism and stuff was growing. It was like, they were sharing that with people who were already fed up, you know, we already had like, we had like enslaved people's rebellions. We had like uh, indigenous resistance and we had, and there were a lot of like white poor people who just didn't want to deal with, they, they, like we know like crony capitalism isn't anything new. Like we know that the people have been getting shit on it and not just in the United States, you know, like our predecessors in like England and Spain and everything else that turned this like, little experiment into what it is today is like people have been trying to stand up for that stuff for over a century and it just completely got squashed every decade every you know every decade somebody people were getting kicked out of the country uh people were getting killed imprisoned and obviously it's still ongoing but it's just it's just like uh i don't know it's just a very disappointing thing to watch continually happen and i think like finally we're at a point where there is like kind of a mess awakening with that obviously i do think like ever since that stuff started that's really when like america became an expert in propaganda for itself like that's when you could convince poor white people that like everybody was their enemy you know every decade that got worse and worse until like I till we are where we are today. Like, it's hard to be like, to act like KKK and all that stuff was like so long ago when, when again, you, you saw it too. I'm sure it's like we had those people driving by us with flags. Like, you know what I mean? We had like, there's like proud boys in Rochester there. You know what I mean? Like they're all over the place. And a lot of them fell for that propaganda, you well, know. Even, even more subtle than that, though, what, what bothers me, and I feel kind of like a hypocrite sometimes because I don't, like, cuss these people out and threaten them, but, like, people at my yeah. job even, like, like, I feel like you're probably a little luckier because you own, like, a vegan pizzeria, so you probably get more, like, oh. liberal-type people. Like, but I work at Macy's in the mall, so we get all sorts of people. And mm -hmm. there's this dude... Um, he's like one of the jewelry salesmen and we were talking like a couple months ago and, and like all, and it was like right after the, 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 the second or third stimulus hit. And he was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, all these people that are coming in the mall, they got all this money and they don't care about any of it. They just want to spend it on whatever. And, you know, kind of implying like that it's black people and that they don't, they don't care oh, or anything yeah. and, and that they don't spend the money on their kids. So immediately I was like, well, actually my girlfriend's mom just told me that at, she works at the at general hospital. And one, one of the ladies there uh, got, like, cause I, I forget how much money we were getting, but it was a lot for kids for the stimulus. Yeah. She was like, she has like five kids. So she just got like six or 10 grand or some crazy number for a stimulus. And she put that money down on a, on a house, you know? And the dude at work was like, well, I don't think very many of these people are doing that. And I'm like, you're, you're like literally like pigeonholing, like, like one or 2% of people and like acting like that's the whole, well, yeah. the, whole, it, the whole, the whole thing, you know? And, that, that, and that's how this whole thing starts. I feel like, cause you look at a couple people and you think that that's their whole, 
their whole culture but you could say that of, of any of any culture you know what i mean there's always gonna be a few people like that it's a shame that we like people don't know what they're they're owed in it you know like for one we all pay in t- into the taxes in some way or another a lot of that money does not go we we live in rochester we know like how shitty the streets are like we know literally probably you i know i've lost multiple cars to bottles <laughs> like i know my tax money isn't fixing those but where does it go it lines like the pockets of politicians it goes all the way to albany in new york city where those people they have not even set foot in western new york you know except to like go to the uh, lake house or something so it's like it, it is a shame that people can't like make that connection like why am i why am i like sticking up for like a millionaire who lives in new york city when like fuck like i you know i mean besides the fact that if you pay the taxes for it it's like you everyone's had a shitty job or is still working a shitty job and it's like you are literally serving people like in some way like don't like i everybody's owed some something like i hate that we have a mindset that we're not owed something because of this system that we're on we're in that it's like you have to bend over backwards and you have to like praise the system in order to get any value yeah it's it, it, there's a lot of crazy a lot of crazy a lot of it just doesn't make sense to me i guess um the few the few other things like on these kind of topics that i guess i'd want to ask you about um I feel like we talked about Black Lives Matter. Like, is there anything really going on with it right now? Because I feel like I haven't really heard as much about it since, like, the Daniel Prude stuff kind of slowed down around here. Yeah, and, that, and, and, like, going back to what I was saying earlier, I think, like, that the government, lo- locally and nationally, has, like, done a really good job at, like, trying to make sure people don't talk about it. Like, there was a lot of, like, faux, you know, promises that I think people are still waiting on. I think uh, Biden getting elected hurt a lot, which was one of my, always one of my biggest fears with elections is people are like, oh, the bad guy's out, you know, like, and that's worrisome to me that like there were people that were marching or being activists for like a summer because they were really protesting like one man and not like the whole system in place that's problematic to me and then also like i feel like a lot of people might have not learned like what was being protested uh that like there were a lot of people that did so much organizing last year and all this stuff and then some of those some people like ended up going into politics the next year and it's like i think like i get that i get from you know i i there were times in my life that i was like thought maybe if I voted for the right person or something like somehow it would change things. And, but I'm like at that point where I know like electoral politics does don't really mean anything. And I feel like everything that happened last year and again, 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, anytime there's like a mass movement or protest, like more change happens from those than like people going to a ballot box. Now like vote if you want to, I, people have like literally died trying to vote. Uh, so I'm not trying to take that away from them. But I also think it's like clear that those things have not excelled 
the problems that we have in this country uh, because we're just like electing people to a system. The system doesn't change. It doesn't matter what, who you put into it. Like you can put any, you know what I mean? You can put Howard's in and like, like he's they're still going to work in that system. You, you can't change the system fr from within it. Like you have to work outside of it. And I think that, I think like it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see going forward what happens again it's like there's still like three more years of the biden presidency is it will we see people find finally kind of want to like protest uh like a democrat in the same way they wanted to protest a republican i mean like we've lived during george w bush years and seen how many protests happened then and how much it dried up when like Barack Obama was elected. And I, I'm still having to convince people that like Obama deported like a wild number of people that, that under that administration uh, drone strikes were like, yeah, through the roof. And like, like literally like there were hundreds of thousands of people killed with drone strikes. And like, when you bring it up, they're like, Oh, you mean Trump? And I'm just like, no, right. <laughs> You know, it's the same system no matter who's in place. Yeah. My question with the Daniel Prude thing, I guess, though, is like the only thing I can really remember that really came of it was Singletary got fired, which he in turn, like nine months later, snitched on Lovely's yeah. husband allegedly to get him arrested <laughs> for that. That's that's what I, that's what the rumor I heard is, anyways. Did anything else like come of that? Because we we were in the streets for like a fucking month, like. Uh, you know what I mean. I see that's what I'm still waiting on, right? Yeah. It's like I guess we'll have to there's like she'll probably get voted out. Yeah. What that the same thing will happen. It's like well, we got rid of lovely, so we won. But that's not really what the issue is. I mean, there's obviously people who have been protesting for years. You know what I mean? Like friends that I have and people that I just met through the protests last year in the past couple of years that it's like those people are always going to be around and they're the ones who get the brunt of the shit whether it's like food net bombs doing stuff for decades and like all these other groups that have been in the streets i mean like we literally like when we marched there's literally black panthers that were there right. like people who have been marching for decades so they're not gonna they're not gonna stop because they know that what the mission is but I, that again, the higher numbers you have, the bigger the outcome, I think. So to me, I feel like we're definitely in like a place of uncertainty. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Is it just going to get swept under the rug again? And then in a year, another person's going to get murdered by yeah. RPD or a town police department. And then what will have happened? Nothing, you know? I guess my last kind of thing to ask before we kind of switch gears is you were kind of saying before, like, and I, and I agree with you to a pretty big extent that like, it's not change. Real change won't come from within like the political spectrum. However, I can think of at least one, uh, Justin Brannon from the band indecision, who is a politician in New York city now. Yeah. Um, like he's someone who on the surface, like you see tweets from him and he seems like someone who still has like the same, like yeah. fire that you and I have and cares about this kind of shit. Like, do you think it's possible that, like, if enough people like him got involved with politics, that there could be real change? Or do you think that 
it's just too much of a corporate structure where it's all I, about money at the yeah. end of the day. I think like it has to be completely dismantled. Like I just don't think, I think there is a system that was put in place and until it's gone, doesn't matter who you are. I mean, doesn't mean that governments can't exist and work because there's other countries that again other countries that have uh, had regime change wars happen to them from the u.s and other uh white people and other european countries but it's like like at cuba like to me i don't know a hundred percent what goes on in cuba but i do know that like they like the highest like literacy rate and I know that they sent doctors over for COVID and they've been doing that for decades for other things. Like, I feel like they have a different system though, you know? And I think it would be great to have people that are activists in, you know, like people that I marched with, like, but I would love to see people like that making, implementing change on a level, but I don't think it can happen in the structure that we have. Like, and again, it's like that structure has to be gone because I think like the days are numbered on this planet before like climate change completely wreaks havoc. Like I just, I don't even know if it's too late for that. Like, and I don't mean that in a dismissive way because I still think that we're like at a good point in people starting to like realize like everything sucks. Like sucks. Like I like not to be that simple, but just like you know, people are poor, like the world's literally on fire. <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of people who are like, okay, some, this doesn't work. You know, like, I, I just think capitalism can exist for, for like, doesn't matter who's doing it. Cause capitalism and imperialism have like, if they're going to exist, then people are going to be exploited and people are going to be murdered. So until that happens, until that's gone, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, that's why I can't trust, like, even the most quote-unquote leftist Democrats. Like, I can't trust them if they're still working in that system because I think it's too corrupt to change. All right. So then I got, like, a a few, like, uh, non-political questions to ask you in a minute, like I had mentioned to you before. But before we dive into that, I I was just thinking while you're talking about all this, and I know that you obviously – care more about the like the the issues at hand than what i'm going to ask you but like has it ever been an issue with you owning like a restaurant like having all these like views and stuff like and posting all this stuff on social media like do you ever get any people that would come into your restaurant or want to work for you that are like you know what i mean like so like opposite of, of what you believe there's a lot of stuff it's like i've had uh cops that were customer were customers uh their families customers uh, uh i think like early on i i i've always been i again to me it just makes sense like if it's punk and hardcore politics and social issues are connected if i'm if i'm doing some anything i do it always has to be intertwined maybe it's just my mind and how it works but it's like even if i have a pizza place like i want people even if they don't know what it is like I'm still going to name this thing after a hardcore band or like I'm still going to put my political social beliefs in there. And like, to me, it's like if the right wing guy can do it or even the moderator, like, like quote unquote liberal person can do it. And why can't 
I do it or other businesses or people who, you know, anybody, no matter what you're, if you're a tattoo artist, if you're whatever, it's like, there shouldn't, I don't believe, I, I like, I've always hated the, like, there has to be a separation between these things. Like if you play sports, play sports, don't get it inter- intertwined. And I'm like, to me, that doesn't make sense because everything's a social political issue. Like literally everything, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, the TV shows we're watching, movies, music, etc. Like to me, it, it should be intertwined. And I like, I've had that. I, I always post stuff because to me, if you have a platform, use it, right? Like, again, everybody does it. And it only becomes a problem when you're stepping on somebody's toes or a whole system's toes. And it, that stuff is scary to people. I'm sure like, I I have been was scared when I was finding stuff out that it was like going against what I was like indoctrinated in from school or home or whatever. So I get why people freak out about it. But I, I there are people who do take it further. Like I, I would post things on. Fourth of July, rather than just be like a red, white, and blue capitalist person who's like, come on down to like get the Fourth of July pizza special or like whatever, buy a couch on the Fourth of July. I'd be like, we're fucking closed, like fuck the Fourth of July. Like, I mean, obviously a little bit more detailed than that, but like I would posted something about like basically like this country can't be free until everybody's free, like you know. And I had like a father of a cop write to me and was just like you think you're better than everybody like and i was just like wait what like and he's just like you think you're better than me because like you have all these values i was just like no literally like my values are like have nothing to do with me i was like <laughs> i was like if you knew me i'm like i hate me more than you hate me <laughs> like <laughs> like to me i'm like i literally like want life to be better for people and he was just like, I, I can't accept that. Like, you're d- down playing what my son does. He's a cop and all this stuff. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, do you know what's going on in the world, right? Like, I have no problem with your son as an individual. And like, like to me, like, I'm that's my whole thing is I was like, I don't care about who you are, like, as a cop or a soldier. It's like, what you do when you get home, completely different than the fact of what you do when you put on uniform so like you know again insert name here might be the greatest dad wife partner but when they put on the uniform they're like partake uh participating in like a a system that murders people and imprisons people so you know that's all that is a struggle like kind of kind of having to like explain that to people because a lot of people are already indoctrinated and grown up but you know, I've I've had that. I uh, like the one of the funny things about cops coming in is like, uh, like whatever, nice enough guy. But like a couple of weeks ago, it came out that like um, I don't know if you saw like an around equate police officer turned in their badge. Um, he like got into a big fight, uh, turned in his badge, threw around a bunch of racial slurs. Uh, what was one of my customers who was a cop who would come in his uniform all the time and i would always make it a point not even in like a punk rock like fuck that dude kind of way but i'd always be like to whoever i'm like you know because kids i do i'm in a round of quit i have tons of kit have had tons of kids like that worked for me or you know go to school come to the job 
and a lot of them are like they're ba- I like they're young leftists. They're like leftists in training. You kind of have to be to work at a vegan restaurant. So to them, they're like, see, because they know I just spout off about everything in, in, in my own way. So they're like, see, not all cops are bad. So like at this past two weeks, I was just like pulling up the article like, oh, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, you know, I've had that uh, during the protest, like myself and like definitely like ugly duck like Rory did like stuff for the protests like us and like a bunch of other places we all like collected supplies and all this other stuff and we all posted you know some people are still posting about it some people stopped after the protest I done but a lot of us that did post or continually post got like I don't know how it got shared around the internet but like I know Ugly Duck got hit by like all these like bad reviews and like literally probably like threats and stuff but like i i got like tons of them i got like i got people from like alaska who you know clearly never stepped foot in my place who were like don't go to this place this person's a commie or like this person hates america and i was just like what and like at first i'd be like who, who is this so i was like is this karen from pittsburgh or something <laughs> and then i'm like oh it's like someone from missouri that just saw a post that i made that got shared or something so like i've had that uh scary like when i was in the got home from the hospital like got like literal like uh death threat in the mail like in a in a nice shiny envelope so i mean yeah (laughs) putting that stuff out there and that was one of my disappointing things because you know again some other people too who were like tattoo artists that I just talked to recently were like gotten some stuff like that. Uh, where like got contacted like literally by the FBI about it. Like, Oh, like there's some white supremacists that have a problem with what you post online or what you, the sign you posted in front of your shop or your whatever. So I'm like, I, you know, law enforcement got contacted when I, what happened with me. It, like the first, I got like a call. And I was just explaining to them and they're like, do you know anybody? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know the specifics, but there is a chance that I said things about social issues that might anger people. And the, like the first thing from the cop before he was like, that's a shame. We'll make sure you're okay. was just like, maybe you don't want to like talk about that stuff. Like maybe you shouldn't talk about that stuff. And I was just like, that was like one of the most frustrating things of just like you put out, you know, I mean, there's always this talk about like putting out your beliefs and what you stand for. And it's always seen as this like glorious, like gold star thing. But if depends what you're saying, because, because even the most liberal liberal will stick up usually for the right wing people. But when you say stuff that's too far to the left, that's when it's like, Whoa, we should be listening to everybody. Or like you shouldn't have said that though, and I'm just like that. Like for me, that's where it's like I have had people there. Like, are you sure you want to post that on there? Like, what's that have to do with like your menu or something? And I'm just like, everything's intertwined though. I'm just like, and uh, and I would think most people understood this because everybody listens to the music they want to, or the band or the sports team they like or the movies they like because there's some like message in it that connects with them even if it isn't 
like again i would argue everything's political and social but even if it wasn't like even if it was like i'm gonna get drunk in my corvette and ride around the sunset strip thing or like whatever like there's always something that connects people so to me it's like like i feel like you have to put those things out there no matter what you're doing one thing i was thinking of kind of tying back in what you were saying before too about like how all these moronic moronic like right wing people yeah. like, tell people like lebron and them just to shut up and play yeah. i guess they've never heard of muhammad ali you know yeah, what i mean cuz that was like 50 that. years ago you know yeah. so and i guarantee you there was more before that but that's like the most high profile one that i can think of and that was you know, in, in the late sixties, early seventies. I mean, then yeah. you want, you want to go back to Jackie Robinson, obviously too, you know? So, Oh uh, yeah. But it's just crazy to think that people are trying to act like sports aren't supposed to be a platform for you to talk about these issues. I mean, football is obviously the biggest one. Like I'm not a huge football fan, but when all that kneeling shit first started, even I at first was like, why are they doing this? You know? But then once I looked into it, I was like, how could anybody possibly be mad about this? You know what I mean? Like I, at first, I could oh. kind of see why someone would be like, oh, you're on American for doing that. But then, like, you see actual military people that have fought in wars that agree with what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, and- Yeah, that's my thing. It's like, of course, you could find anybody that agrees with what you're saying on any, on any spectrum. It's like, but there, there is, like, there is that line that it's like, you do have to go beyond that. Like you have to uh, educate yourself a little farther. You do have to like talk to different people and you, you can't just, again, whether if it's the right wing thing, like, okay, that person's waving a flag. Like they're on my side kind of thing. It's like, well, maybe like talk to the people that you think you're standing up for. Cause there's a whole lot of people who have like served in the military who like, are completely against like war and how veterans are treated in this country. Like there's a, there it's surprising to most, I think, you know, like, again, I'm raised in a suburban area, raised in upstate Western New York. Of course we have tons of uh, ultra Patriots up here. You know what I mean? Like you can hop and skip to and jump to the city and have like, everything there multiculturalism art and all these wonderful things but you venture out five minutes ten minutes and what's the different it you're in a rural environment or you know suburban white environment where it's like you're gonna get those ideas of like what it looks like but if you don't talk to the people that you want to stand you think you're standing up for then what you're not standing up for them you're just standing up for like your indoctrinated views. Like I had most of my friends served in the military or like were literally in Iraq and Afghanistan, saw horrible things, did horrible things. And like, yeah, I I still have a friend who's super proud of that and, you know, patriotic, but like everyone else is just, is like literally tight, physically tired and mentally broken from what they saw, what they did, how they were lied to. So to me, it's like, how much of a patriot are you? If you're like saying all this stuff, like support the troops, like support the wars. And there's all these people who literally went to those countries and they didn't want, like they came back and they're like, I, I, I was lied to, or like now I'm back. 
and I can't afford my health care or half of my people I went to war with, uh, you know, are homeless right now or like in a good chunk of them ended up dead. It's like, what are you really, what are you really standing up for? And again, going back to the Muhammad Ali thing, the same problems you're talking about in the military yeah. are the same problems that were happening back then. Like people would come yeah. home homeless, you know, and like basically mm-hmm. like you'd be a hero for like 15 minutes, literally. And then you would be on the streets, you know? Yeah. Uh, like Henry, Henry Wallace was like the vice president, like the, like it was like when world war two was happening and he was like a socialist. He, and he, he was like, you know, obviously you can't, it's hard to talk, about that war because it's seen as like the most patriotic thing and we all had like grandparents great grandparents or grandparents or uncle great uncles who were like fought in that and there's a lot of a great patriotism connected to that because obviously there were horrible atrocities that happened but like we had the even the vice president at the time was just like talking about how hypocritical it was to go to war with these people that were fascists when we literally were dealing with mass lynchings across the United States of black people, uh, again, the same stuff that's happening today. So like that, there's always been hypocritical things that were talked about. It's just, everything has always continually gotten hushed by, you know, corporations and government entities. The only last thing I'll say just to kind of keep it light before yep. we switch over to music talk is uh, regardless of how we feel about like the military and police and stuff like that, um, Forrest Gump will probably always be in like my top 10 or 15 movies of all time. You know, it's it's a classic movie. I was really bummed out that I couldn't watch it on the 4th of July this year. Again, not getting patriotic, but it came out around July when it came out that year. And it, it's a classic movie, you know. I, 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 like, I like shed a tear every time I hear CCR. <laughs> I don't know. um so i was telling you earlier and i've definitely talked at length here about that in my early late 20s early 30s i guess from like 2004 to 2011 there was a lot of substances being abused and i was going to shows listening to hardcore but not paying nearly as much attention to the scene as, as i did before and after and when i interviewed jared and he told me you guys started a band. I was really surprised because I never realized you had been in bands before. Yeah. So how many, like, how many other bands were you were you in, and was it all during that time period that I'm talking about? I mean, I started doing like simple punk bands in like middle school, like with the stuff that I was talking to you about, like all the Green Day worship, and like literally started a band, like Green Day cover band, and like so, like that's interest started young. And through high school, like, definitely tried to get bands going, especially geared more towards hardcore. Uh, but, like, in my early 20s, uh, I did, like, I had a band called Declarations. It was, like, it was, like, one of my favorite times in, like, Rochester hardcore history, like, with what was going on. Because it was, like, Death Camp, um whatever band Pogue was doing, cause he was always around <laughs> doing something interesting. Yeah. I, I don't remember. I think it was like, probably four it, times, oh, right? I think it was like when it was like abominations or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So like he was doing stuff. Then we had like monument AD. Um, there was like so much 
really cool stuff happening. But I would, yeah, I did like a band called Declarations that was like super like outspoken trial Bane worship band that was like with uh, Rory who played in Death Camp, uh, Alex Perry who did Sideline and like Hardest Fight after that. Um, and like Joel who's like been in a million bands of like Pogue and stuff uh, and other people like he, he did he drum for like a while but like yeah I did that band that's like the first time I met Jared too like that long ago because we were like needed another guitarist and this dude from like again it's like talk about how small the like world of hardcore is it's just this kid from like Hornell was just like yo I heard your demo like I want I'll, I'll drive out to Rochester and like try out and like it never ended up never ended up working but like uh, he was friends with Joel at the time and like came to like practices and stuff and like he just showed up in like a converged shirt and like talked about jawbreaker the whole time and stuff like that and I was just like I don't know who this dude is but I like love this dude like and we always had like a weird music connection and I mean like I'm thankful that I feel like because of that he's like pushed me to continually like check out new bands because I want him again like I'm like we like so much in common that I'm like anytime he shared something or he would you know over the years whether or not we saw each other I would always get some kind of like message of like yo check out this band check out this demo so that yeah like declarations was my main thing uh at the time like did a demo plays a bunch of shows around here I think like I think uh the demos on like Rochester Hardcore Histories uh, SoundCloud thing. Uh, but I did that. And then after that, I tried to get like bands going. And it was like, it was so tough after that. Cause like so many people, like, you know how it is, like the rotating scene of people. It's like everyone who was around was already in bands. It's like everyone that I played with, like moved away or just got into like, like, again like with new metal getting big in the past few years so did uh not like hip-hop in general but like a lot of certain type of like hip-hop got really popular like backpack kind of rap or like soundcloud rap or whatever you want to call it so a lot of people i knew like dove into that scene hard and then just like during quarantine uh time like jared was like i've been working on these like songs like and he's like i you know like I'm thinking there could be something to it. Yeah. When I was first getting ready to interview him, I didn't even know you guys had started doing yeah. that. Like I, I don't even think it was in the notes or anything. I don't think he even mentioned yeah. it. Like, I think he just brought it up like while we were talking or whatever, like on the episode. And I was like, Oh shit, that's, that's even more of a reason to get you back on. You know what I mean? And, and declarations, I don't know if I saw you guys, but I definitely heard of you guys. I just didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't put you the connection with you being the singer of the band, obviously. Yeah, uh, I know Jared mentioned that in the episode too. That you had sang for that band. That's when I first started thinking. I was like, "Damn, who? What fans is this dude in, man?" Like, I thought again, like you going back to the whole Wikipedia. Like again, I've been kind of like I wouldn't say an outsider, but not as involved in hardcore yeah. in Rochester for like the last ten years. So, but I still feel like I know like who's in what band. Like I would see certain bands yeah. come around in the last five or ten years that like I might have seen once or twice. But I and I'd be like, "Man, who are these kids?" You know what I mean? Like and. Yeah. I guess you get to a certain age, like you were saying before, where it's just hard to, to it, keep tabs it, on everything. And one thing that was always weird to me is 
like when I first got into hardcore and started going to shows, I was like 15 or 16. Yeah. And there would be people that were like 21, 22 that I was friends with that would introduce themselves to me. When I got to be that age, like I'm not going to front, like it seemed weird as fuck to me to be like 22 or 23 and hanging around a bunch of kids that were in like ninth grade. You know what I mean? Like that seems kind of borderline like. Yeah. And I've talked to like. Curve or whatever, you know? That's what I was talking to because I think like I'll never like say Rochester there's anything wrong with Rochester hardcore scene in general. Like there's people who've been around forever still making music and there's new bands and stuff, but like, and it's not just a Rochester problem. I, I don't, I think it's kind of anywhere where I think again, connected to like political social things, but anywhere where like the economy's kind of shitty and a lot of families and younger people have moved away. Like there's not a lot of younger people left. You know, there's not a lot of people starting families and stuff like that. So it's like our scene is a lot of like old heads here. And even yeah. in Buffalo, that happened. Now there's some cool stuff going on in Syracuse uh, with like, like Dylan, yeah, like Dylan Wainwright. He's like, was from Rochester, like really young kid. And he was like one of the first younger people that I like noticed going to shows a few years ago like wearing like a triple XL, like how we are shirt. And I was just like, how did this like 16 year old kid, like, where does he, where, like, um, like, where did he get that shirt from and all this stuff? But uh, like, he was like, one of the younger people that I noticed and now he's like in Syracuse doing all this really cool stuff. Like he's in like the thrill that's going to like play here soon. Uh, and like, he's in standalone, which is like a really cool Syracuse youth crew band with like some of the younger folks out there too. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, definitely, I was talking to like Paul from like the weight we carry and like Jared about like, it is like fucking weird. Cause like we were like talking about like, how do we get younger kids to go? And we're all like, we can't like go to a high school and hang up yeah. flyers, like look like the fucking weird dude. And like the van, like, Hey kids, like <laughs> about this hardcore band. And they're just like, what, what? <laughs> well, one thing we used to do back in the day, uh, I think this was actually Rob Antonucci uh, from like Achilles and all those bands idea. Yeah. And he probably got it from somebody else. No offense, Rob. Um, but um, <laughs> we would go to fucking like the mall and just go to Hot Topic. And like Hot Topic had like a binder or some shit where you could just put a stack of flyers in there back in the day. I don't know if they still do. Yeah. Uh, I the mall places were like that because when I was like trying like before i realized i could definitely not handle booking shows i like tried to book shows like it would like hand them to like people at zoomies or something yeah but i'm like i don't know because that's another thing it's like we're getting older and like things do change a lot respectively like i don't even know if younger kids still go to the mall as much it's like you know so it's like that's like starting to be an outdated format too so it's like yeah you know it's like how do you do it appropriately? Like, how do you, cause you know, there's tons of young kids all around the country still starting hardcore bands. Yeah. And, and it's just like, how do you reach out to them here without being that or, weird? I'm suggesting this on air right now. You, me yeah. and Jared can sit down and figure this, the, uh, whatever you call whatever word I can't think of right now at <laughs> fucking one o'clock in the morning. Um, the logistics, we'll figure out the logistics yeah. of this together. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of this before. I think even Syracuse has probably done this. So we'll do a show where, like, you bring your friend Steve, who's never been to a hardcore show before. Anybody who's never been to a hardcore show before gets into that show for free. Have you ever yeah. heard of those shows like those kind of shows?
shows yeah. before, like bring we should we gotta do something like that you know what i mean like get new kids involved that Derek, way, like, you know Derek, you started doing those again like right yeah. before uh, everything shut down yeah, yeah let's those like you that's like this one of the scenes to like look at yeah because something right like uh, I don't know. They just had. Have you seen like the videos from that like undeath show that was like at a, like? Uh, oh no! I saw they po- I think I saw some of the they posted maybe. Yeah, someone. Yeah. I do follow that, them on Instagram. Yeah. It was like full of young kids and like, I don't know. Like I would say, like Dylan and like Sam and all those dudes out there and like Luke, the, this kid Lucas and stuff. They have like. They like they make me think of like what it would have been like in the eighties and nineties of and even you know that stuff still goes on today but like they I always joke because like they have like ten bands you know what I mean like they created their own scene like when they didn't have a scene they made it when they didn't have a certain genre of bands they were like okay here's our punk hardcore band here's our like metalcore band here's whatever. Well, that's kind of how I always looked at that kid, Rory, that you were mentioning that was in your band that was in Death Camp. Yeah. Like, I feel like those kids kind of did that, too, you know? Yeah, that's why I always, like, look back on that fondly, because it was, like, you know, like, I I was still, like, you know, 18, 19, maybe 20 at the oldest, like, and Rory was, like, 16, 17, and everyone else was, like, we were all in that, like, group of people. And I feel like some of uh, – there's always – like hardcore is like cyclical you know it's like you get your time in the sun kind of thing every generation you know and i think like rochester got had that moment of like quieting down a little like again nothing wrong with it because there's still people making bands and stuff but like you know tons of venues closed you know like there's no more av space and all that stuff and it's like people got older people moved away and bands broke up you know it was like we all worshipped like anything Rory did. <laughs> like we all loved how we are and everything. That was gone, and like we were like, oh, we got to build something new. And like Rory booked a million bands, and we were like, there's no straight edge bands in Rochester right now. Like let's start a straight edge band. Like and like Rory made awesome flyers and stuff, and we had like mixed bill shows. And again, same thing happened with that. It was just like we had our time in the sun you know ended and then it was like who's gonna pick up the torch and for me like that's what hardcore is like it's a music movement led by youth like of course i want to hear like a band with people old people in it that i love you know what i mean like i'm always gonna check out like you know members of whatever earth crisis are in this band like okay let me hear it like i want to hear that but i also know that like that has not yielded success in other genres of music. Like I was listening to another podcast with like Pat Flynn from like have heart and a million other bands where he was talking about like, that's the difference between like hardcore and like the ska scene of the nineties. It's like the only people. And I mean, it's not fair because there are some like younger people that have done like ska bands and stuff, but like the most of the people that have like tried to hold that, thing together were all the bands from that time period and that that's the difference between something like that and hardcore is it's like in hardcore it's like you have a this you know like we could talk about how small it is but it is big too where it's like you have thousands of music fans right now hardcore is old <laughs> like 
it started in like you know like the late 70s like you know and you have 50 plus year old hardcore fans that are like on the whim of 15 year old kids recording demos on a four track or like on their iphones or something and it's like that's it's like what like we and i you i think people have to be accepting of that and not like be gatekeepers to the genre because like no matter how awesome it was like 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago or even whatever it's like that's cool and all but if it doesn't progress then it's like what's the difference between hardcore and like your dad who is stoked to go see like ario speedwag (laughs) you know i mean like some or like kiss doing like a final tour in their 60s it's like like it the you don't want to be the guy who's like like, I don't want to be the guy who's, like, 50 and, like, just stoked to see reunions. Like, I don't want to go be 50 years old at, like, that, <laughs> the have heart reunion of, like, Pat Flynn being 60. Like, that's not, you know. Yeah, that's While you're saying that, that's something I was thinking of, too, because, I mean, obviously, like, there wasn't old dudes in hardcore before because hardcore was still kind of a semi-new thing, like, 20 years yeah. ago. But now it is weird to me. I'm not going to name names, but I was thinking of, I forget. Actually, I do forget who I was thinking of today, but I was like, damn, that dude's like 57 now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. thinking about like old hardcore dudes that are like that old, like which I'm 40 now. So it's it's still significantly older. But like, like I can think of 57 now. Like I honestly like I've never said this on air, but like I never really thought I was going to live to be 40. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like every pretty much every day now I'm like, holy fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I can't believe I fucking. Like, if you would have asked me when I was 25, I probably would have told you. You probably wouldn't even have had to ask me. I would have told you, like, I'm not going to fucking see 40. There's no way, you know? So now, like, being 40 and then thinking about, like, this extra 17 years or however many more years, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm going to fuck, you know? (laughs) Like, it's insane. (laughs) And then you add on the fact that that we got kids. And, like, I I had – we had our second kid when I'm 40. So these kids are going to be getting out of college. And I'm going to be in my 60s, like, the age of these dudes are torn and hardcore bands now still, <laughs> you know, it's crazy to, so there's definitely a lot of memories there though. You know, I'm sure you have, you know, just as many. Um, oh yeah. So we've kind of talked about the new band a little bit, but I just kind of want to get like the whole, it's called only shallow. I'm, yep. I'm, and from what you said, you guys started a little bit before or, or like during COVID. Now when you were yeah. in the hospital, obviously you guys had to take a break or did they just kind of keep writing songs while you were like, uh, up for like... a while? I know there was like some new stuff, but like everybody was like, like we always talk about one of the good things about it is like, we like, we all are like adults now that it's like, we know things come up. Like it's not like being 18 and like practicing every other day or something like that, where you could just like practice till three in the morning at some weird practice space. You know, it's like, like we know, that people are, get married, people have work obligations. So, I mean, a lot of that stuff was happening during, like, COVID. And, you know, and then me being in the hospital, I was just like, yo, like, <laughs> like if you don't, you know, whatever you guys got to do, like, and it was just like, no, like, this whole thing was like, you know, that COVID prod. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was Jared. I always say it's like Jared's thing and, like, the, the other folks, too. It's just like, I felt like just like stoked to get asked to do something like that. Cause I've been trying to for a while and like with the kind of idea in mind of like bands that we all were into that. I was like, this is just something different than what I 
you know, I mean, that's going on here, like anywhere, like there. And, but I mean, I do see like a lot of it coming to fruition now and other scenes, like a lot more punky kind of hardcore is starting to come back. So I was like, definitely excited to kind of do something that we're like, Jared and I always like nerd out over like nerve agents and stuff and like, and stuff like that. So like, that's a huge thing. And it, with the sound and like, and just like influence and style and stuff. So one thing I think, I mean, Jared said it when I interviewed him, I think it's a similar reason why I wanted to have you back on here again is because is you obviously yeah. have a lot to say and you're obviously interested in a lot of like political and social issues. Yeah. Did that like, like Jared telling, like saying something like that to you about starting the band, like, does that make you sit back and be like, damn, I got to really like make sure I write some good lyrics. Cause they're really like looking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or were you just kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I, I write what I'm going to write anyways, you know? Yeah. Like I know Jared was like, I want to, have somebody that's actually gonna like sit, talk about something and not just like probably stereotypical like hardcore punk things you know that like everybody falls trapped to i mean like i you know definitely have written those songs in my life of just the standard like you know unity songs like stuff like that or like extra pens and all that stuff it's like he's like i know you'll He's like, I've known you for a while. I know like that you actually want to talk about something more than that. So to me, I was like, oh, finally a perfect outlet for that. Now I can like stop bothering everybody, my friend group and family and coworkers for five seconds, or I'll just make it louder and more annoying for them. The other couple of questions I have about the band, if you're able to answer them, do yeah. you know like if and when you guys plan on recording anything and, and like when the like there's a first show planned at, at all yet or anything? I know. I know, like, they, there might be some recording, like, this month, maybe next month. Uh, and then there's, like, a Punk's Picnic that we're hoping to, like, play. It's, like, in the September. I don't remember the exact date, but but I know. We've just, like, I just, you know, got back to practicing. And we've all, just in general, have all gotten back to practicing the past, like, two months or so. So it's definitely, like, it's like all fresh again, you know, it's like it was like time off, but not like necessarily in a bad way, like a lot, still like a ton of energy. And I mean, I think everybody like in the whole, that's why it's like, hopefully the, sh you know, who knows what shutdowns are going to look like again. Yeah. You know? So we're recording this on August 6th, uh, just to kind of peel back the curtain for everybody. Uh, if I can keep myself, uh, you know, up from not, waiting four weeks to release this like i've done with a couple other ones recently uh this will come out before the punks picnic which uh the exact date which i just uh know because i i contacted will the other day because i want to interview him before the punks picnic uh the exact day unfortunately is the exact same day of the hayward family benefit september 5th um but if anyone's listening to this is, is conflicted you can do what i'm planning on doing uh, i already bought a ticket for the hayward benefit and i'm just going to go to both um so obviously i didn't know you guys were playing those so now i'm gonna have to figure out like you know <laughs> time schedules of bands because i really want i haven't seen that missing link band obviously i want to see them and a couple other bands that are playing the hayward yep. show um i don't even know who's playing the punks picnic honestly um but that's always a fucking good time i don't know if you've been to one before yeah. um but that's uh definitely some people watching and just uh some real fun for me so I, i'm not i'm not as huge i'm not gonna lie i'm not like as huge into like like straight up like punk rock music like i like some of it like the old stuff and like some bands yeah. here and like you know but for me it's more just like the experience of 
just the craziness and the rawness. Like the live shows, the rawness of the live show is really good, but it's more for me the craziness of the just the punks picnic. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, like I've said in the past, I plan on doing some shows in the future too. So I'm sure we'll uh, we'll link up on something there. And and once you guys get ready to to like drop an official recording, I'll, I'll try to get you and Jared back on to to help promote yeah. that. Obviously too. So something else I've been doing that that Rob Antonucci came up with is uh like like a, a, a Mount Rushmore for your city basically like so for Rochester for you would be like a Rochester Mount Rushmore. Um, some people do people, some people do like places. Um, I picked four <laughs> people when Rob Antonucci interviewed me, but like it's kind of whatever you think the four most influential things are for you for Rochester hardcore, I guess. Oh man, oh, I don't know. Definitely like definitely venues for sure are important because like i don't know that's like that's huge for everybody's like city that i'm like that that's stuff that we all like end up missing every five years or something it changes and it's just like i definitely miss like penny arcade shows a lot <laughs> like does that was like a huge start for me uh definitely like uh the band like contempt is like huge for me like i love that like you know getting into like uh kind of like hardline bands and stuff like that that was huge to be like oh shit like yeah syracuse is really close and like is the mecca of like hardcore for so many people you know like i've like friends that i've made that are like in italy that like we talk about like syracuse hardcore and it's just like that's wild but like to be like oh contempt's like our own band like that like i i love that band uh definitely like definitely chris pogue's bands are have always been like huge for me being like i don't know like yeah for sure like rory rory's bands too uh definitely like pogue's bands like i trying when i was like in high school i was like trying to get like hanging tough to like play stuff like i just thought like it's just so fucking cool like and i know he like hates hanging tough but like but to me i was like this is fucking great stuff especially because it was like that mid 2000s style that was like big everywhere. Like, uh, you know, like bad business stuff, you know? And like, yeah, like I, I always follow him, like the stuff he's doing. Uh, definitely again, like I said, Rory Van Girl's stuff has always been big. Like I, I love that his stuff is always different, you know, like, whether it was like straight up kind of youth crew nineties revival bite stuff or like, like how we are was huge. Cause that's when I was like, again, mid 2000, anything like mid two thousands was like huge from being like a kid that just was into like bad religion and black flag to being like, like discovering, I think like, I, I talked about on the last one that I did, but like how Bane was like a really big gateway thing between like old and new and I don't know if it was like it was it's so accessible, but like anything that was like kind of biting that and like how we are was like huge for that. Uh and then like, you know, hearing Achilles was huge for me because like to me that was like how could I take hardcore and add all these other influences to it, you know? Like it reminded me of like uh like the American Nightmare, like the post band like uh some girls and stuff like i'm like oh it has such a feel of that but it's still its own thing and it's such a big sound on its own 
Uh, but yeah, definitely like that. Like any of the bands that were like AV space bands were cool to me. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything else, but I mean, obviously anything to any of the bands I was talking about that we played with, that I played with and stuff and was like coming up with, uh, like all that death camp, uh, monument, (laughs) again, like anything Pogue played in, but like all those people have always been cool. And like, even now I'm like Jared, like Jared, Jared's like a Rochester kid as far as I'm concerned. Like, even if he wasn't born here, it's like that dude loves Rochester hardcore more than anybody. Yeah. Jared's definitely, uh, in wrestling, we call him a workhorse, you know? (laughs) So he's, 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 I I love seeing all the shit that he does, man. It's, It's, it's really inspirational to see somebody still that, that excited and that, but I guess, yeah, before we wrap everything up, we've talked about the pizza shop a few times, but just let everybody know like where it is and, and, and everything like that. So that in case you want to oh, check yeah. it out, you know, uh, we're in uh Rondequay, Titus Ave, like where the DMV is, uh, open Wednesday through Saturday. And we're, you got to look up the hours online because who knows with COVID right now, <laughs> but yeah. I'll link you. I'll link you guys or tag or you know tag New Ethic on all the posts. Yeah. Or so, I mean, I'm, obviously, it's easy to find anything on Google these days. Oh, sure. Definitely. Social media. <laughs> it's like in the age of of uh, COVID, anything can change it <laughs> before like a, a podcast gets put up. Yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps up everything I had to ask. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to add, or any shout outs or anything like that? Probably like I probably could name a few like labels and bands and stuff probably not all of them because i'm like this is my perfect example for like anybody over the age of 30 that uh thinks like there's no hardcore and like you'll you'll see this because i'm gonna like show you how much stuff i wrote down of like bands that i'm like been labels but i'm like you know like there's so much stuff that's come out in the past year alone or it hasn't even been the year's not even over and it's like there's all these bands that I'm already excited for or like pre-ordered and I don't even know when the records are going to come out. Cause like the COVID shutdowns on like with the vinyl plants and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, like definitely check out like Jared Johnson's label Sorrier. Cause I don't know. They're like definitely like they're from Rochester or he's, you know, it's, it's Jared and his partner like doing all this stuff, like putting together records by hand and all this stuff but jared just like puts out the coolest shit like even just how stuff looks but he has like drows on there and jowes is i think like one of the coolest newer bands like they're out of like pennsylvania and it's like you know straight up hard hardcore band like so definitely some like american nightmare vibes but also like ink and dagger like in like there's so much like like spooky boy stuff <laughs> it's just good uh but like uh convulse records has put out like some of my favorite stuff uh they have like candy apple uh record which i think is like probably one of my favorite records that came out this year uh i don't know triple b records for sure it's like definitely the like if bridge nine was big for you in the 2000s or anything like that it's like triple b's the band like if you don't know about what's going on, look them up because they probably have signed everybody that you can think of or will. Like I just uh, definitely 
they put out like C4 record, which is like total Boston hardcore, like one of the best Boston hardcore records I've heard in a, in a long time. Uh, definitely listen to like Restraining Order, The Fight, um, that Section Hate record we were talking about, one of the best records that came out this year. And if you don't even know you want to listen to it, they there's even like a Tim Armstrong <laughs> guest vocals on there. <laughs> uh, definitely like British bands, uh, like Big Cheese is like one of my favorite bands that came out. Uh, they put out Punishment Park last year. It's like total crossover worship. Like if you love the crossover era of like uh, Agnostic Front or you love like Best Wishes era of like Chromex, like that record's like insane and uh just like any other scene like all those dudes are like in tons of other bands uh but like uh the chisel is like one of my favorite bands they're like a street punk boy influence like hardcore band uh chubby and the gang is like a kind of a pub rock influence like hardcore band that has like a new record coming out this year but put out like one of the best records last year um Let's see, like Last Gasp has a new record coming out. That's they're like super. They're, they're one of my favorite bands. Uh, new bands, Warren uh, put out like a great LP this year, and they're playing in Syracuse. Hopefully, if it, nothing gets canceled, but they're playing in Syracuse at the end of the month. With uh, I think Year the Knife is playing that too, and that's like put on by all those like real cool Syracuse kids. Uh, Fading signals really good. Let's see. Slug Slug is like really good. They they are on uh on uh on like a new label with this band called Circus too. There's like so much good stuff. <laughs> uh Killing Frost put out a great demo. Lethal. There's a band called like Bloodstains out of California that's like total like california uh 80s vibe like adolescence and all that stuff uh action news that has like members of drows in it and jesus peace cell rot drill sergeant the consequence they're like on youth attack uh final gasp is like a total like danzig worship band that triple b just put out stuff for uh raw brigade definitely listen to Robert Grade. They're like from South America. They just did some US stuff, put out like a great EP. Bootlicker, Ikaloo, Ikaloo Records, like dope. Another good crossover record. Uh, what else? There's like so much. Thought Control, Lurk, Terrorize, Self-Inflict, Peace Test, Pressure Pack. And then there's like, check out New Morality Zine, Youth Attack, Convulse, Triple B, PMT, Blind Rage, Plead Your Case, uh, let's see, Iron Lung, 11 p.m. Records, Not For The Week Records, Quality Control, Flat Spot, like, just check out everything. There's, like, so much stuff, and if you check out, like, those labels, you're going to find, like, a dozen more bands that I didn't even mention, and that's, like, all stuff that's come out this year, or came out last year, or still coming out. Like, definitely just... Don't give up on hardcore. Like, still listen to stuff. Definitely go back to your old records. Remember why you liked it, but like, check out the new stuff because you'll you'll uh, you'll definitely remember why you liked it, and it'll definitely help you 
dealing with all these social issues and it'll keep you educated on them too. Cause once we get older, we get stagnant we don't want to look up things, but it's way easier to listen to them when a band's yelling at you. Uh, and when the people look like you and talk like you, then it is to l- listen to some think tank on TV. If anybody asks me about hardcore bands for the next couple of years, I'm just going to bookmark these couple minutes of this podcast and tell them to listen <laughs> to this uh, record labels, bands, the whole, the whole shebang. You covered it all. I think, I think that wraps up the episode, man. Yeah. Thank you. I think we pretty much covered everything. So yeah, I want to thank, thank Matt for doing the interview again. Um, as always, shout out to Greg Benoit, Rob Antonucci, and my family for all the support. The next few episodes will feature interviews with Benny Kruger, Aiden and Jim from Borrowed Time, Jimmy Stat, Chris from Borrowed Time, and Will Carroll from Teen Set. Uh, as always, you can find the podcast on EnterpriseHardcorePodcast.com. See everyone real soon, and stay safe. All right, let me just... Okay, here we go.